What's up, everyone? We're back. Another episode of Wheel Wednesday, Behind the Wheel Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Scott Weiss. Uh, and, you know, we're wearing, our so set of, we're, we're wearing some headsets today. So, you know, you guys know what that means, that we have a guest with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, Mitsubishi DSM stuff. And, you know, none other, we're going to be having Miguel DSM, who is a YouTuber, influencer, and uh, with his brand, uh, Race Legacy. So Yeah, I think that's it's going to be a good conversation because uh, we all know that I have a big DSM background and yeah. it's nice to talk to somebody else that also appreciates yeah. all that is DSM. Yeah. Yeah. So Miguel, how are you? What's going Good. on? Uh, I appreciate it. First of all, for having me out here and uh, oh, from, a from, a, from a marketing perspective, I think what you guys are doing is genius. And honestly, oh, I love geez. podcasts, especially when it comes to automotive. I feel like there's not too many and yeah. it's That's awesome. Cool. Appreciate, appreciate that. It, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell we're doing here, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I question it. We've been doing it for you know more than a few years now, and uh, I I think uh, it's interesting uh, to see who actually watches or listens to it. But we appreciate you taking your time to kind of enter yeah. into our sphere for a little bit. Absolutely, it, it looks very fun. I, I've I've tried the whole podcasting myself, and I yeah. it's very. Um, and I know it's very expensive as far as the equipment, so it's awesome. You know? No, not around here. You know us, Koenig. We money grows on trees. So no. just... <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we're like sitting on milk crates. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of our uh, a lot of our podcast stuff that we do normally stems from like in office conversations. Would you say oh, it's brutal? Yeah, it's, like I would say our rate of cursing at each other when we talk <laughs> about cars increases exponentially yeah you know what i mean it's just okay. one of those things how could you how could you be a car person and not feel passionate about certain things right yeah you, you know especially because oh go ahead we all, we all, sorry about that we all have we all have, we all have these conversations with our fellow enthusiasts it's just it's awesome that you guys get to share it and i'm sure a lot of people are going to relate to you guys as well so yeah. either that or we get a lot of good comments where people are ragging on us so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. you know it's one of those two things yeah they see a little clip or something like that they take it as absolute they don't watch the podcast and they yell at us you know <laughs> <laughs> but um you know even with that like we have a uh we have a couple of people who are who are sales guys here that love the audi volkswagen stuff and uh you know like when i think of the audi stuff now how they do all the all-wheel drive stuff and the the you know that kind of power plan they're kind of the uh i don't know i guess they're kind of like the go-to for all-wheel drive luxury right like that's kind of where they kind of solidified themselves in the time being okay right is it not fair to say no, I mean, I guess it's fair to say. I don't know that I would, you know, that I guess when I when I think about Audi, I don't immediately be like, oh, they're the all-wheel drive. But I, but I understand what you mean. I can yeah. see your point. Well, that's how they kind of separated themselves from some of their other competitors or whatever earlier on. But mm -hmm. uh, that, that made us have the conversation on, you know, what kind of stem from, uh, you know, the all-wheel drive turbo platform. Um, where we were discussing about how Mitsubishi in the late, you know, late 80s, early 90s or whatever, how they were kind of more or less the pioneers for that platform. To be fair, mm -hmm. before Miguel gets to add some endpoint, yeah. just to be totally honest, Miguel, mm -hmm. the conversation wasn't exactly that. I think the conversation, and part of my French here, was um, how is it possible that Mitsubishi could have such a stronghold on oh, yeah. that all-wheel drive turbo market mm -hmm. and make such shit cars to the point where they're barely in business today? I think that was the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Company. So maybe I butchered it a little <laughs> bit. But, I, you know, when I add on a little bit of thoughts, whenever I guess I got trailed off. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of more or less where we're at with it as well. 
so the way I see it, I think Audi is what modern day Mitsubishi would have been if they would have actually focused on their automotive sector. Mm. So as all of us know, I think Mitsubishi is just much more than just cars. And I think mm. Mitsubishi doesn't really care for their automotive, you know, part, which is, I think, why they left through their downfall and why they don't really, they're not really relevant as far as like the all wheel drive turbo space. Audi did a really good job nowadays. I feel like with their RS3 and stuff like that, where like their cars are really quick. Their all-wheel drive system is very just up to date. They're really good cars. They're very quick. Yeah. Um, so th that's just the way I see. It. I think Audi is the modern day Mitsubishi right now. You that's know, for, for any of the uh, for any of the viewers or people listening or whatever, I mean, just to get a little idea of what you do. I mean, can you just tell them a little bit about some of the platforms that you've worked with and you know why you go by Miguel DSM? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I've always loved Mitsubishi Eclipses growing up. You know, since Fast and the Furious, Need for Speed Underground. My dad used to have a Mitsubishi Eclipse GSX. Mm. Um, I always tell this story everywhere. He, he promised to give it to me as my first car when I was like 16, 17, when I got my driver's permit. He sold it because we needed a four-door sedan. You know, oh, dad, what the heck? <laughs> so the day he sold it, I remember just crying and being like, you know what? Like, I wanted Mitsubishi Eclipse as my first project yes. car. And then, you know, four, you know, six, seven years later, getting out of high school, working my first job as a cashier at a 99 cent store, I got my first Eclipse. Nice. So that's how I was introduced into it. I always loved them growing up. Um, unfortunately, I got a non-turbo model. So anyone that's into DSMs knows that the non-turbo front-wheel drive variants are pretty much garbage. garbage. Yeah. So I got a lot of backlash. And at the time, Instagram had just come out. I had made my account. And um, I just started building my car to my liking. So aesthetically, I feel like I got it you know, kind of good, but it was still slow. I got a lot of hate from the local DSM guys with the GSXs and GSTs. Yep. And um, I ended up deciding to, you know, swapping it with an Evo 84 G63. Uh, and Wait, you, that's when I, you swapped it? Yeah, it's currently swapped. So it's actually not a real GSX. God. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, and that's kind of the story of how Miguel DSM came about. I just, I started my whole YouTube channel and I kind of wanted to document the build. And I, I think that's kind of how I, you know, came about. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. It's just that kind of documented my my car journey and, and the car is where it's at today because of that. So. so so it's interesting because like I probably have had less time to myself in the past few years than ever before. So, you know, I, I get to see the content that these guys are like, oh, check this out or check that out or you see his car and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I've watched some of your stuff, but I don't know that I went back far enough to really understand that it was a swapped, what, GS or RS car. And, um, and so you, now it's a, it, you did go all, you did the all wheel drive conversion to it. Yeah. So initially we just did the front wheel drive, uh, swap with it, with the three G Eclipse transmission. Okay. Getting torques here everywhere. Didn't have, you know, I didn't have a tune or anything and I, I just wanted to do the whole all wheel drive conversion to, you know, make it worth it. Right. Right. So, um, it was kind of a guinea pig cause no one had really done it before. And I think what helped me was the fact that I documented everyone and kind of pioneered it in a way to where anyone else doing it after me is able to kind of have some sort of reference to do it themselves. So we, yeah. So we see more of them now today, but back when I was doing it back in like 2018, 2019, it wasn't really a thing. So, so I have a couple questions about this and now, now I feel a little stupid because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to ask questions that maybe are redundant to your audience, but, but you yeah. know, bear with me. Maybe there's some people that are on our podcast or are watching our podcast that don't know explicitly about you. So let's, let's, there might be two or three of them out there at this <laughs> point. So 
my question is now for those of you that know the car understand that taking a front wheel drive car this wasn't the same as just swapping parts over because that car would have been missing a transmission tunnel for drive shaft it would have been having an issue with the fuel tank because an all-wheel drive fuel tank has the hump that would go over the two sides so a suction area goes it's like a saddlebag tank um to kind of go around the the rear end of the car to yep. be uh, to allow fuel to kind of suction through the hump and allow it to work on both sides or else you would just have an issue where basically one side of the tank would end up and you'd be empty on Correct. the other side um so so you you did that you, you you took why why that's a lot of work why not just get a gsx even if it was one that maybe needed some love so two things. I was too sentimentally attached to the car at that time. I was okay. too young. And uh, the other reason is because the chassis, it, it, technically, it's still the same. It, it already had the tunnel. And I could. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, I, I basically used the GSX RAM, the gas tank and everything, the subframe and the knuckles and the axles to basically make it all fit. All nice. the custom work was done through the drive shaft, the front end, and mix and matching evil parts up front to make it work. So That's cool. A of, yeah, a lot of research and stuff like that, but that's kind of why I did it. Um, at one point, I was going to sell the car and just get a GSX. Back then, they were actually really cheap to acquire. You're talking like three thousand dollars for a GSX. Um, that's a whole different topic. I think you know they're they're really expensive now. But um, you know, back then, I could have sold my Eclipse and just bought a GSX, and I would have been okay. But I'm honestly glad that I did what I did because if it wasn't for that, you know, I don't know where I would have. Been. Well, and 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 the one thing I know about kind of starting in that same juncture is the. I mean, I didn't start in the non-turbo car, but what I mean is like. You, you learn so much in the course of swapping and building and doing that you can't like, you know, a lot of that stuff in the fabrication, the different points that you had to fabricate. Like I could think about even the first swap I did where I had to do a custom drive shaft. There's some work there. And there's also some learning curve about matching pinion angles and being able to measure the drive shaft and know that you're going to have the right, you know, slip spaces for, you know, for the you, um, for the you know for the slip joints to go into um so now did you did you you what transmission did you end up using an evo 4 transmission it's a complete frankenstein so it's an evo 8 motor evo 4 transmission evo 4 transfer case evo 5 axles gsx drive shaft that was cut six inches and then okay. we had to add the uh the evo yoke to basically be able to fit and then we had to match the gear ratios between the transfer case and rear differential from an automatic GSX to make it work. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So so why not? Why just why didn't you try to find some of these individual pieces from an actual GSX and swap and put those into the car? Was it really just primarily because hey, I'm using an Evo Eight, and for those that aren't familiar, an Evo Eight would have uh, basically the head is kind of flipped in that sense that. The intake side is on the opposite side of the car, which would have been the side that your non-turbo would have come with. Uh, so was there some of that? Like, what was the thought there? Yeah, so the engine orientation on the non-turbo chassis versus the turbo chassis is just like that. So basically, the Evo 8, 4G, 6, 3, basically any Evo, Evo 4 to Evo 9 engine yep. will fit into the non-turbo chassis yeah. as far as the motor mount goes. You do have to fabricate the transmission mount, and uh, the rear mount also just slips right in. So... This swap is only feasible for the non-turbo guys. The GSC and GSX guys already have a 4G63, so it's yeah. not really worth swapping things for more modern 4G63 based off their potential. But um, some people still do it, but that's kind of the main reason why. It, it just it just worked. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. So let's see. Evo 4. So 
So that bot, but that so you have an Evo Four bottom end. So that would have been the, the equivalent of what would have been a seven bolt, correct? Uh, yeah, they're seven bolts. So basically, yeah. any Evo Four to Evo Nine Four G Six Three, I think they're pretty much the same. I'm not sure if the you know the internals are slightly different, but everything is basically everything fits. That's so crazy. the only reason why they're mixed and match is because it's the parts that I was able to find at the time. The Evo Four transmission and transfer case came together for like a thousand dollars, so I thought it was nice. really good. Right. Versus mm -hmm. you just buy like an Evo Eight transmission that was like two thousand dollars, and it was just based off my budget and you know it, it just kind of worked so yeah. i i started the swap i started you know getting parts together and you know that's kind of how I, it all happened yeah it's funny it's like when when you started doing that swap i mean maybe the cars are cheap like you said like now just because of the rarity of ones that are actually not full of rust or still together um <laughs> the cars are probably you know obviously priced a little higher probably in that 11 to 12 to 15 to 17 depending on how nice the cars are thousand dollar range right so mm -hmm. you know but even at that point sourcing some of the parts for um maybe for an eclipse or whatever it is if you were trying to get some of these things it would have been somewhat difficult because at that point now the car was 20 something years old and i know that even in my tenure with dsms uh, toward the end, you know, you had to be a little bit crafty with knowing who to know to grab some parts. So I would say that the better choice at that time doing the Evo stuff could have, would have opened up those options. But mm -hmm. now I would say, whoa, you're right back in the same boat. Yeah. At this point, it just gets more expensive. Yeah, no doubt. So it just depends on who wants to do it. It depends on, at this point, I think it's just better to find a GSX or a GST and do a conversion. Right, mm -hmm. right, right, right. So what do you, so what do you think? Like, see, all right. So what's interesting is I am older than you. There's no doubt about this now. <laughs> um, uh, you look way better than I do. So I think that that's one proven fact. The second thing is I remember when these cars were like, you know, really starting to first come out. Right. So, um, I wasn't driving age yet, so I'm not going to super throw myself under yeah, a bus, yeah. but so I got, <laughs> I got my first DSM. I bought my first DSM in 2001. Wow, okay. And to bring people back to history lane for just a moment, the, in, I, I bought it, so I, got a, I had a 97 GSX in 2001. Sweet. It, was, it, had, it had high mileage for the time. It had 103,000 miles or whatever, or 99,000 miles on it. Um, but it was completely stock except for an upper intercooler pipe and a pexy blow off valve that wasn't that was venting mm -hmm. and an apexy um exhaust right everything else was bone stock uh, those are the popular exhaust the apexy n1 and the thermal r d were like the exhaust back in the exactly days. right so so we had so i bought this car and and just to be 100 percent honest i really didn't know how to drive stick mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> But like this is the car I wanted. I wanted this car. So I I bought I, we I you know bought this car. So by the time the car I had paid, you know, I, I we bought the car. By the time the car had actually made its way to my house, I had more boxes and parts than I knew what to do with because I had been like saving yeah. for this thing to happen. The entire first week was basically just me putting all these parts on the car. That's all I did for the first week. 
So quick question. Did you know how to work on cars at the time? Yes, uh, okay. but not as proficient as I would become uh, only um, about a year later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah do that. So they say they turn people into mechanics. <laughs> well, and, you know, for for us, I mean, just to kind of date this out is that, like, back then when we started with a car, a big 16G was a big turbo for those cars. It still is today. Well, I think. You know, it's interesting. I think it's a good turbo for those cars. But watching, like, you know, when I like, I remember when uh, when the twenty G came out, and yeah. we put a twenty G on, and I remember thinking that I had a rocket ship. Yeah, that's what everyone says. <laughs> I know. And then you know, we we, but when we started this whole thing, there was a limitation because, like, back then, five fifty, you know, injectors. Everybody used to like write, run like RC 550 injectors and like that was a pretty big injector, right? And and you could only control it with an AFC so much. Once you kind of ticked up from there, because an AFC usually only does about 35 to 40% fuel control, at that point we were doing other things, but there wasn't anything else really available without doing like a universal standalone, right? So we were doing things such as... Um, hacking the masses we would take the honeycombs out of different parts of the mass to try to lean out the mixture and using math translators and stuff like that so so what's crazy is like how dsms had so much potential with the knowledge and parts that we had like accessible at the time like imagine if dsms were new today and with the knowledge and technology that we have today the amount of power we could put out for those cars because yeah. obviously age is a huge factor and that's going to determine how reliable it is with, you know, high performance mods, but it's crazy how much they put out with the little amount of things that you guys had back in the day. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I remember thinking like, I remember being there and watching one of the local guys that we knew that was in a, kind of our little like, you know, club back in the day there. And he, I remember him going 12, seven and we were like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. lightning. Right, I mean, this is at the time where a ten-second run was, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I remember that happening, and and all the crap that we had to go through to make parts for these cars, and still, that was probably one of the platforms that was the most available aftermarket aside from a Honda. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like we were, you know, we were venturing into platforms that hadn't been, you know, used there. There was those were pretty popular cars back in the day, and. As things got a little older, um, they certainly showed up. I mean, between you know the one Gs and the two Gs and Galant VR fours and all those cool cars, you really had um, kind of a, a really nice run that Mitsubishi put out with that Diamond Star partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, man. Like it's, I, it it always be. This is the part that always gets me. This is the part that gets me all the time. How did a company that was so far woven into sport compact and in that tuning segment, how did they bring cars that were so good? Now, when I say so good, I want everybody to be very clear what I mean. I'm not talking about they're so good as far as like the bodies didn't rust or they didn't have mechanical issues. I'm saying there was not another car and I don't care what you say, Subaru owners, there was not one other car, even during that that time, WRX didn't matter, that you could make as much power for a dollar as that DSM platform. Right. Even today, I think so. There's not many platforms that can do that. 
honestly. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing, right? Like, and I bet you, like, on your, like, how much power does your, 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 uh, I was about to call it an Evo, but how, how much power does, uh, does your DSM make? I make 440 to the wheels on a 16G turbo. You still have a 16G? Yeah, very mild. Very, very mild. nice. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good power number for, for a 16G. I'm, I'm on a Sanolin, I'm also on ethanol. Okay, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. Just to really throw another curveball into the date issue. Back then, we didn't really have ethanol fuel, but what we used to do is we used to use a methanol water injection kit. Mm. So there was two different types of kits that we used to try to do. One was kind of a standard thing that you would put like almost like this this jet that was right before the throttle body. And then eventually we got into actually doing more like direct port where it's almost like a kind of like jetted like a nitrous system where you're basically trying to uh, have the nozzle kind of right in that intake um, runner, right? The the downside about doing the one main injector kit was that you would spray water, and and the natural flow of that water methanol uh, injection would it would spray it down, like uh, spray it down the plenum there, right? Mm-hmm. You would always have a lean condition by the time it would get to that first cylinder. By the time it would make it all the way down, so so you know then we started trying to figure out how to get the nozzles equal to each. Um, to each runner, but now you got it. You put it in the fuel, and the fuel is just such a better octane. Correct. Man, that's great power on an Evo 16G, right? Definitely, and honestly, it's it's a very fun street car because the, it's it's a very linear power band, and mm. there's no sort of lag. So as soon as it hits like three thousand, it kicks in right away. Okay, cams. Uh, uh HKS two seventy twos. Oh, you put you have real HKS two two seventy twos. Correct. Like that. that's, that's all the head has actually <laughs> okay all right so 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 you don't have any you don't have dual retainers you don't have any anything like that no so i'm currently doing an evil build right now we're okay. doing the kidney racing you know springs and retainers Kelford cams and yep. uh what else we're going forward facing precision 58 58 so i'm trying to go a little bit you know bigger as far as power output but honestly first if you want like a street car like the perfect street dsm i think four to five hundred horsepower is the per it's a sweet it's a sweet number yeah in my opinion I agree because you have a good linear usable power band. Um, by the time I sold my car in 2010, my car was just cracking 700 all wheel. Um, yeah, the car was the car was good, but but like you know, you know we that's when tur- ball bearing turbos really just hit on right. So like my last turbo was a ball bearing turbo, but before that everything was journal bearing. Like 60 one, I was using for years, uh, you know, a couple years, and then. My last turbo, I think I went to a Force Performance 3065, and then um, I think I had just put on a 6062 from Precision, <clears throat> and then ultimately ended up going back to the 3065 before I sold the car. But, um, you know, these were huge turbo. 35, you know, a GT35R back in the day, it still required some effort how, to make how, it spool. How, how reliable was your car back in the day? Um, I mean, I used it. Um, it made power. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's a hard question to answer. So, 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 from my perspective, I also didn't daily drive the car, right? Mm. So, I think that you know that that that's kind of my thing. Like, I I seem to always end up having a beater or a daily, and I I tend not to really. Once I get to that point where I'm like, you know, kind of concerned with you know, like I don't want to have to like, put this car together all the time. Yeah. I think it's I learned. Movie. Oh yeah. 
And I learned a lot. I learned so much about how to put things together and, 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 and stop problems from happening before they started. And I think that that's a huge thing that some people don't have the opportunity to do anymore. Right. I think, I think modern day enthusiasts, especially with DSMs, they just don't really care to go through the stage of the maintenance and, and, and just making sure that the car is actually running right before they do any sort of performance mods. And I saw that, you know, cause I got my clips in 2012 and back then they were so accessible that everyone was just putting big turbos on them, not tuning them, breaking them and then parting them out or giving them to the next guy or junking them because yeah. they were accessible. So it's something that I always preach to, you know, the Mitsubishi guys is like the whole reason why we're known for being unreliable is because no one takes care of them. Yeah. So yeah. It's, that's just the sad reality. You know, I think, I think something that comes to my head when I think about why people don't look to some of the Mitsubishis in today, like right, right now, besides, you know, some of the obvious reasons, but you know, they, they haven't put out anything that was all that spectacular after, uh, after the 2G Eclipse and then all, and then Evo 8, 9, 10. Um, but besides the Evo, I mean, there hasn't really been, anything else for quite a while so if you're looking at an older platform that you want to get into i mean you got to go back 25 years to get into the eclipses that the ones that people want to work on and if you're looking at older cars within the last 25 years then all of a sudden you have a lot of options you know so the whole, the whole reason the third generation eclipse came out as a front wheel drive variant with a non-turbo was because they didn't want it to compete with the evo because well, the evo done <laughs> it's the states in 2003 and they wanted that to be like their hero car so yeah but i think that's kind of the direction they went into it and then you know the fourth gen eclipse wasn't even profitable for mitsubishi that's so that's why they cut it you know short and then they even brought it back as a, as a crossover so that's like the yeah, huge yeah, yeah when, yeah, when cool. is uh when's the miguel dsm channel gonna pick up a eclipse cross <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see myself ever doing it i would honestly love to pick up you know an eclipse if they were to, to ever bring it back as an all-wheel drive variant at least you know some sort of hybrid combination where it's turbo and you know ev yeah. it's just based off technology but you know it's kind of sad that the, you know the, the, the dsm days are dead so right. yeah there's no yeah. there you know there's really no um the, the, oh, so sorry so when you start to think about the car companies that had tremendous followings and and this whole thing it, you have to start with something that everybody oh. wants they lust over, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter. Honda's like the one thing that they had going for them. They had a lot of aftermarket support. In addition to that, they also had, you know, engines that were really good at the time. You know, you, you know, the B series, uh, you know, H series, some people even argue J series. Some of these engines were really good to be able to do a lot of swaps and they made power reliably. Now, not as much, but like a DSM was one of those cars that can make a fair amount of power. And the yeah. only thing you had to worry about was keeping them from falling apart. <laughs> and, and, and I say that uh, like as much as I'm joking about it, I'm also really serious. Yeah. Right. Um, the cars were temperamental, but largely because when you took a car that came from the factory with, let's say 200 horsepower. Yeah. But then you were making 500 and some of the parts that you were using were mainly based off of that. I mean, think about what that looks like. That's like a crazy increase. Yeah. I don't think Mitsubishi was expecting that. No. They, <laughs> yeah. It was wild. So, like, there was things that I think, you know, you, lear you know, learned along the ways. I think that sometimes made the cars hold together more. Like, back then, like, you know, you think... You have an intercooler pipe. Well, it, it's it's fine when you're running 15 pounds of boost, but what happens when you end up running 30 pounds of boost, mm -hmm. right? 
Like then all of a sudden, you know, nowadays they have, you know, those connecting bars that you would weld a piece on each end or use a, one of those Wiggins clamps or something like that. That's correct. Yeah. To like hold everything together. But back then that stuff was crazy money. So yeah. we got into the habit of like figuring out our own tricks. I used to use hairspray. So, oh, I've, I've, that's on the forums. That's on DSM tuners. Is it? Yeah, it's just so stickier. <laughs> yeah, so what we used to do is we used to spray the the elbows and the intercooler pipes uh, right where the where the thing was with hairspray, mm-hmm. right? We'd spray them inside the silicone coupler. We'd put the silicone coupler on as tight as we could. We'd let it dry, and then we would do the same thing uh, onto the, thro- the throttle body elbow, whatever it was, and then we would clamp them down. And if you did that just in the area before it got super tacky, that stuff would give you a little bit more of, you know, oomph, yeah. I mean, you know? that makes sense. Yeah, I, I got to see a little bit of that growing up with, with my DSM as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it's like all those little things. But like you put all those little things together for a whole bunch of different parts of the car. And then you got something that was more so, reliable than somebody else's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, you know, for Miguel, like, you know, we, with the DSM platforms or whatever, I know that some of the, the newer stuff is not really considered DSM, you know, to the diehards or whatever. But I mean, you still have experience with all basically all the other good platforms that Mitsubishi offered, which were, uh, you know, the VR4, the GTO, and yeah. uh, you you have an Evo 8 as well, right? So Evo 9 and 3000. Oh, so, so he has the trifecta. The trifecta you know what I mean? Like, tell me, so tell me about that VR4. We got anything done to it? Uh, so it's pretty basic. I got it three years ago. It was sitting for like eight years. It's been having fuel system issues with me for like this <laughs> whole time. Uh, but it's just from my intercooler intake, ex- full exhaust, bigger injectors, bigger fuel pump, um, and a slight flash on the stock 98 ECU. Oh, so crazy. It, it's one of those cars that I wouldn't really want to modify extensively just because of the 6G72 platform being one parts are very expensive. It's really hard to work on just because there's just a lot, there's no space right. compared to 4G. Um, and it's one of those cars. It's just like, it's, it's very expensive to maintain. It's very expensive to repair, especially with mechanics. So if you don't know what you're doing and you go to a mechanic, he's going to surcharge you just because they know it's a car that not a lot of people want to work on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a car that honestly out of the three gets the most attention in person because it's so big and it's bright red. And it's honestly, I think it's like Mitsubishi's like most beautiful, like car in but my opinion. looks wise i would probably agree with that too yeah 100 um, yeah you know like those cars like by the way like like i've changed turbos on those cars multiple times and mm-hmm. like you had like it was easier just to take the engine out so we used to yeah. take the, we used to take the engine out change turbos especially if we got anything that was going to be uh a little bit larger but yeah that's i mean that's it's a cool car it's he- it, the problem the only problem with that car was it was so heavy yeah 3800 like, pounds yeah yeah that's a you big that's mean? a big boy it is a big boy, but there is something about being inside of it that makes you feel like you're in. I mean, it was it was a substantial car. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, really though, like when you look at some cars that are just kind of slept on and forgot about the the you know three thousand GT and the Dodge Stealth, they're they're like forgotten cars. I you know you don't really hear people talk about them. Yeah. So sure. it's, it's the equivalent to the Supra and, and the GTR. I mean, right. That, that that that's the way that I would have phrased it too. But I think that a lot of people would almost scoff at you if you say that. Well. Yeah. well Legacy-wise, I think right. that's the only difference. Okay, I mean, you know, but re- reality, I mean, it really is on on the same kind of uh, you know level as cars like that. But for some reason, it just kind of got left, you know, left yeah. behind. Yeah, I think it happened just because of the transverse layout of the engine. I think that the the inline six on the supers and the GTRs are a lot easier to work on, and the aftermarket support for those cars is just that much more available. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's that was a downfall to the three thousand GT. I think mm-hmm. it was a six G. 
Mitsubishi held on to what they knew by, you know, doing uh, that kind of that same mount, but also because that's how the configuration was with the transfer case coming off the side to be able to make it all-wheel drive, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, it's a tougher car to work on. So you have you have these cars, and I know, and, and I want to talk about the a platform you ventured off into. But out of out of those three cars right now, yeah, that we've spoken about, what would you say is your favorite one to drive? The Eclipse has the rawest feeling just because everything has been touched in that car from interior to engine bay to exterior. And it's just, it feels no power steering, no AC, but yep. it's, it's, mm. uh, it's, it's an open downpipe. It's really loud. Um, the speed density. So I've been to atmosphere with the blow off valve and it's just one of those cars that's when it's driving down the street, it just, it's crazy. The yeah. Evo by default is one of those cars that is raw compared to basically everything else. Yeah. And the 3000 GT is one of those cars that you just want to cruise in. You don't really want to go fast and it just looks good. That's, yeah. that's the way I see them. But my favorite is for sure the DSM. That's crazy. Yeah. I like that. So you've also ventured into some other platforms. Recently I ventured into Honda. So yeah. <laughs> got myself an RSX with a K series. And honestly, I've always been, not not a hater with the Honda guys, but just you know because I've I've always been a big Mitsu guys. I've always kind of steered away from Hondas just based off the reputation that we've had with each other. But yeah, uh, yeah. based off me daily driving the RSX for the past you know eight months, I've, it's honestly changed my mind. The K series drives different. It's a it's a higher revving engine, and it's just it's just different. But yeah. I definitely yeah. So th that's your daily right now. Correct. Yes. So as Scott is with the DM DSM stuff, I mean, I'm more of the Honda guy, I guess, because, um, you know, I have experience with the Type S platform. I have experience with the K20 engine DC5. Uh, I mean, so are, are you going to do anything to that? I know you did a lot of exterior stuff with the wrap and, you know, some yeah. cosmetic stuff, but uh, are you going to build that as well? So the goal with the RSX right now is to date and I definitely wanted to get into the whole time attack motorsport. So it's something that I just want to work on for myself. And I think the DC five is a really good platform one because it's the K series, very accessible. The Honda is very reliable. Yeah. And the times that I've, I've only tracked it twice, but it's, it's honestly a really fun track car. The Mitsubishi's I wouldn't really trust at the track per se, yeah. just because I've, I've broken my Evo at the drag strip. Um, the DSM was actually just at the, at a drag strip, uh, racing a cyber truck um and uh i was having fuel system issues so it's just one of those cars that's like yeah they can be fast but at the same time there's always a thought in the back of my mind where it's like is it gonna make it to where the honda i know it's just gonna take the beating all day and all night so right i mean that's just the reality <laughs> with like with the k20 in the in the uh with the rsx um i mean those things take the living hell of a beating i know that like with real simple bolt-ons i'm not talking about adding you know forced induction if you're just doing simple bolt-ons and a tune and you get a k-pro and just do a tune with that i mean you can start pushing mid mid 250 ish to the wheels and all of a sudden that car is fast it's a light no listen but like the, I, I don't use the word fast and like it's not, it's, 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 it's quick scott it's gonna move and it's gonna it, he, this is not his this is not his it's a daily who cares but i'm just saying all of a sudden just a little bit a little bit of something that doesn't take a lot you're talking bolt-ons in a tune it's not Listen, much i'm just saying that when we use the word fast if it can't pull the chocolate off a of pudding i don't want to hear about it this is this is where me and scott never see eye to eye because and, listen I, and you're, listen, all right, you come from a, a turbo car background. Yeah. Tell me that you don't just want to bolt a turbo on that car all the time. The, the RSX feels gutless on the low end. But yeah. the thing is, the, the RSX feels so nimble. The thing is, yeah. the Hondas, the Honda guys have over the Mitsu guys, it's just the power to weight ratio. Yeah. Like if you add force okay. induction to the K series, 
you know, it's it's all of Lightning. a sudden. Yeah, it's really fast. But yeah. everyone knows that Honda struggled with torque on the low end for everything, always. I mean, that's that's always been their problem. Okay. But, you know, but all I'm saying is that with the high revving engine, all it is, all of a sudden, with a little bit of extra power, you start, you really feel it immediately. I mean... When when my when my when my Eclipse yeah. was making in the mid five hundred uh-huh. horsepower range, all wheel, right? It had a big turbo and stuff like that. My friend had an E he had an EK and the EK had a sixty dash one at the time. We were using similar turbos. And I remember I, I so we go from a slight roll, like but we were still low mile per hour. Like we were probably maybe like move twenty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. We go I I just destroyed him off the line. I'm, I mean, I feel Go like figure. I, I feel like I'm 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 so far ahead of him. I can't even see him. I can't even see him anymore. Uh huh. Out of nowhere, I hear, yeah. and it's getting louder. And I'm like, what the hell? And he goes by me like I'm standing still. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, it's like yeah, he had nothing down low, but he was a turbo, you know, big turbo yeah, yeah. Um, B series. And he just, I mean, like, I was standing still. I remember thinking, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I'm, I, well, this is all I got. <laughs> you know, my, my point to me saying that wasn't saying that it's going to be the fastest car on the road. I'll tell you, if you do want to do a turbo onto it, all of a sudden that you elevate that thing, to, you're the freaking man. Yeah, I don't but know. You can't, but, but you can't use it from a roll, right? I guess, well, you know, you're going to get that tire spin and a little wheel hop and whatnot. So, um, you know, but that's just a downfall. And then you get to brag to people that, hey, I caught, I catched up to you in a front wheel drive car, you know, so. So the Hondas have like the underdog thing going on. Right. I mean, you, could, you could always make them all wheel drive and turbo. But the thing is, Mitsubishi already comes like that from factory. Oh. All you got to do is add some bolt-ons, ethanol, and you're, you know, you're beating everything on the street. Yeah. So let's throw around some more crap talking. Um yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you think what what would you say to somebody that let's say owns a WRX or even an STI um you know same vintage generation as let's say your Evo right mm-hmm. what would you say to them about um who has the more power potential well i mean i think everyone knows by now that the 4G63 does yeah. do you see what it, he did there everyone let's just let's, let's hold on that's a breathable moment let's just <laughs> Let's well, just slow down for a second. I'm gonna. I'm not advocating <laughs> on the Subaru side, but I will say this is what they they would say. They're gonna say the EJ Motors, etc. Exclude them, whatever. Obviously, they had a lot of problems with them. But when you look at the FA Motors that Subaru has, I mean, they're pretty damn good. I know so the, the time. Let's just let's just take a minute to acknowledge what Miguel just said there. He's implying that we all know what's about to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I'm not saying it's a fact, but I think it's just like the, it's just the the most popular vote as far as like people. You just don't see as many fast, you know, Subarus as you do Mitsubishi's. It's just you, you know, but the Mitsubishi guys. When you guys are talking about the 4G or whatever, the one the one engine you guys don't talk about is going to be the uh, what is it, the 4B11? Yeah, because I don't, it's I don't, not. I don't really think that. I mean, I. I'll be honest with you. I struggle with that whole Evil Ten thing. Hey, I'm just saying. I mean, you guys like to conveniently leave that one out. So the. the, the it, that happens because the 4G6 already has, you know, a huge heritage. You know, we're talking a couple of decades worth of, yep. you know, being yeah. alive. The 4B11 came out in 2008 with the Evo 10. So yep. the, the fact that the 4B11 is able to keep up with the 4G63 today just shows the capabilities of the engine. So yeah. if, if, if the 4B11 was out just as much as a 4G63, I think it would have been, you know, it, was, it would actually have a lot more popularity. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it, it, it's not enough time to really determine if it's, you know, a really good engine or not, but it's proven itself. Look, uh, here's the thing. Here's my here's my thoughts on this whole thing. 
because everybody I'm sure out there really gives a crap what I think. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, there is something about the same way people are still lusting after B-series when we know that a K-series theoretically will outperform on yep. most yep. metrics that we're going to measure by, right? Mm -hmm. There is something about having that nostalgia. There's something about having that pedigree and history that comes with a 4G63. Which is not something you'll hear Subaru owners say. No one's lusting no, over the listen, older No, but they do have an extensive rally history, and they have the things. And I think that Subarus are good for certain things. I don't think those are cars that... If I wanted to take, a, if I wanted to take an STI... Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, and look, here's about here's where we go with all the shots fired. This is what's going to happen. This is going to be the clip out that Max to, uses. To, to be fair, Scott had a super roasting me in the comments. Well, to be fair, Scott, you should tell the people that you've had a you've had a bug eye. I, yeah, I've, I've had I've had these cars. Like, yeah, uh, as Mitsubishi guys, we secretly would all love to own. I think Subarus. I wouldn't mind a Blob Eye or a Hawkeye, but yep. honestly, I would put a 4G63 in it and just make all. Oh, the oh, I'm sorry. oh man. So I got to tell you, so I've swapped a few cars with 4Gs back in the day because that's what we had laying around. They were a lot more cumbersome. I mean, a lot more available than than not, right? So I put one into an FDR7. Boy, do I wish I didn't do that. Um, it wasn't my car, so, you know. That's, that's actually something I really want to do if I was to own an FDR. Okay. Uh, so we did an FDR. Uh, we've done a few into Starions. My friend Dave has a great Starion that has this swap. Um I'm trying to think where else we we put them in. Um, we did. Would you put, put it? Would you put it in a Porsche 911, like an old school one? I'm no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Everyone, okay. uh, <laughs> I wanna. I wanna make it very clear for the record that I, I I would not do that. Everyone, so don't don't hurt me. Uh, I would say Porsche diehards are got to be up there with the most extreme. But I will tell you, just to make sure that I round out the field here, that one of my one of the bucket list swaps that I look for on Facebook Marketplace every night, because by the way, are you really a car guy if you don't check Facebook Marketplace before you go to sleep every night? Very true. Right. Um, I always look for like a 997-911 with a blown engine because I would like to K-swap um, a 911, just like my friend Nick did. The amazing Nick by Tuning by Nick who put that swap together. That car is just so good. Yeah. And I would like to do one of those. So, so if anybody out there knows of any 997s that don't have a, maybe an engine, manual gearbox, uh, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so like, I mean, I've had Subarus and, and I've done this whole thing. And I would say that if you want to make a Subaru just as fast as maybe you could do for the same dollars um, as a DSM or, or an Evo, I think you're going to have to multiply by two. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that, just the deal. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. When you, I, I, the only thing I'm saying is, if you compare some of the newer stuff to the newer stuff or whatever, that becomes a different conversation. Let me say this because I feel like I've already been throwing my cojones out here. I might as well go ahead and throw some more. Go right? for it. <laughs> I'm going to say that if you are arguing with me right now uh -huh. that for the same dollar you think your STI can make the same power that you could do it for that same dollar with a with a DSM or an Evo, uh -huh. I'm going to say your car's not fast. <laughs> hey, I mean, you, because when you have a, listen, can we all get to, with an Evo compared to an STI, can you get to get them both to 400 horsepower for around the same dollar amount? I'm going to say, okay. Yeah. Close. Once you depart from that power level mm -hmm. and you start to creep north, 
that's where the boys and the men start to fall in different. You know, in, I, th- I wish I, could, I wish I could just chime in Steve from Vinny Ten right now, just get him in real quick. Just I to, think he would agree. To, I don't know. We'll see. But you know, all right. I almost want to get. Hold on. This is it. We're getting Steve on the phone right now. I can't. I'm gonna. Let's see if he answers. I don't know if he's gonna answer. But now, but listen, I think he would agree. I, that's what I think he's gonna do. I'd be sub, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. I mean, and without, and I'm talking. If you're gonna pull out all the stops, well, methanol and this, and we'll put in this fuel sex. I mean, no, come on. Like, let's get let's get real here. But like, um, okay, um, so, let, let's give it a shot. Scott's gonna phone in uh, Steve from Vinny Town. Let's see what happens. I, it's let's see if he, let's see if he answers. He'll answer, right? No, I don't know if he's he might be working. I mean, some of some of us work. We don't just record podcasts. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> let's see. This is a moment. I think this is a first. Yeah, I don't it's think he's gonna answer. Let's see. He's probably gonna call me back like after we get out of the podcast. He's not gonna answer. He's busy. He's actually working. Yeah, he's tuning STIs. Making gobs of power. There we hey, go. What's going on? Ah man, you answered. This is so exciting. So listen, uh you're we're actually recording a podcast right now. Okay. Oh, okay. So here, here's what the argument we were just having, and I said, "There's," and we were thinking, "There's nobody better than this." So I would make the statement that if you took an Evo comparatively to an STI, okay, mm-hmm. and you would try to make the same power number once you get north of, let's say, 400 horsepower, okay. that you could do so much more affordably on an Evo. You agree or you disagree as an as a Subaru person? I will agree and disagree oh super answer i love it okay yes. well, what's what's the disagree give me the disagree the disagree is the fact that the transmission and a diff on evo is glass compared to a subaru um or the sti i should say because wx transmission we all know is paper mache hopes and dreams i understand <laughs> so, so the so Yes, I would say technically, if you want to be able to make 400 horsepower, you'll be able to make it probably more reliable. You know, I would say reliably, but easier um, on an Evo. But that's that's more even more so like a thing of the past. Like, I mean, I produce enough 400 horsepower streetcars pretty regularly with Subarus, and they last for a really, really long time. All right, but what are we, what are we talking about if we start to creep north of like 450? Do the men's so, and the boys start to get separated? So like 500. I'm not. I, I really think that the cost is to be reliable is comes around the same, just different places you're spending the money. Mm, so all right. you're spending, you're spending a, a, a ton of money on the engine, you know, with the Subaru because, you know, the ring land failures and the cast pistons and stuff like that. And you know, there's, there's a whole nother logic behind that as well. But yeah, you know, the being an Evo has four G six, three or the four B 11, which is more traditional flat, you know, inline motor parts are definitely a little bit easier to make. And, you know, the cost of that is, comes down but as far as reliably they kind of cost the same you're just spending money in different spots Ooh, all right all right well well, listen i'll take your answer we allowed the people to have another voice besides mine so i feel like we've done justice and um and now you know maybe you'll be able to join me in the comments while everybody hates on us all right we'll let you go back to actually doing something productive steve Perfect. Nice. nice. All right. Well, maybe there's an Evo 8 out there you could tune and make power much, much more aff- affordably than your the Subarus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For oh, geez. All right, Steve. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right. So look, we we brought on somebody that 
at least provide a counter opinion so people yeah. won't hate on me that I'm just like, you know, stabbing others in the back. I, I, I think he's right in that, it's especially, you know, I, I myself have pretty much blown my first year on my on my evil transmission and the GSX transmissions are actually really easy to break once you start making a lot of power. So he does have a point yeah. in, in regards to that. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I, I guess I would say, you know, there there's a validity to it in the sense of like, I guess I built my uh, my 2G transmission uh, pretty early on because of the fact that like that was just it. When you're going to make power, it was it's not the power, it's the torque. When you start to make a lot of when you start to make a good amount of torque, mm -hmm. you're really thrashing on those things. And they just weren't designed for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. You so now we we asked I asked you the question before I, I'd be incorrect if I didn't ask you the question. You now have your daily driver and you have mm. these three beautiful gems that that I love. What's your favorite car? If you're just gonna like you're just headed out, you got a nice Saturday, nothing really planned. You just want to go for a drive, do something like that. Which car are you driving? Out of the ones I have, yeah, the DSM. Oh, the DSM too. Okay. It's just the driving experience with that car is just so unique. Nice. And I, and I think it has to do a lot with the fact that you know I've, it's my first car. There's there's meaning behind it, and you know it's it's one the one car that I've really touched every single button on. So it's just the, the driving experience is, is insane. On that. I gotta ask him, what do you really do with the Evo then? Uh, it's currently not running. It, 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 the engine's out. So that's the um, answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but. You know, I used to daily drive it back in college, and and I pretty much just modified it, you know, Bolton's E85, and then once I blew the transmission, is kind of when it, you know, fell apart. So yeah, that, I'm kinda, yeah, I'm kind of on the process of bringing it back to life, and hopefully, you know, be able to drive it a lot more once it's back. Yeah, Evo Nine makes me jealous. I'll tell you that right now. I just I love that <laughs> yeah, car. They're good, I really do. They're, they're cool looking cars. Um, it's, it's insane how expensive they are nowadays. It's yeah. Just yeah. Good for you. No, even even eights are expensive now. I mean, I mean everything's coming up. I don't know. Oh. Tens are getting there. Same but part. um, um, you know, I I do think there's a level of like uh, symbolism though, where in the year of 2023 or 2022, when it was or one of the two years that you know Miguel DSM ventures off into a Honda platform and kind of moves away from the whole Mitsubishi thing, and I just thought there was a level of symbolism there of. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't want to be known just as a Mitsubishi guy. Like, I would love to own, you know, an FDRX7 uh, with a 4G63. And mm -hmm. then I would love to own, like, a 75, like, 911 with a wide body and a 4G. Like, I, I want to have that Mitsubishi heritage with me, but I also want to venture into other platforms as well. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. How, that's how I see it. I like that. So now, all right, so now I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to give you two different answers to, to provide, right? So the, I want to ask you... What's that dream car? But but uh, I know for car guys, it's too easy. Like if you ask me my dream car, I shudder because I'm like, well, at what price point? Yeah. Right. So I want to say like, what's the dream car that you want to own? I don't want to say next, but in, in you know, in a in a sub hundred thousand dollar range. And then what's the ultimate dream car if budget wasn't an option? Well, it would have to be the R35 GTR. That's one of the cars that I've always wanted. Absolutely. Just, yeah, and it's just like the DSM. It's one of those cars that just makes a lot of power. Unfortunately, it's a little more expensive. Yep. Um, and then if, the, if I had no budget and I had all the money for it, then it would have to be the Ferrari F40. Okay. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. A, yeah, that's, that, that, that's that, a, very that's respectable a, you know, answer. That's something. Analog still from that era, and it's just yeah. it's one of those cars that if, if I had all the money in the world, then yeah. Yeah. I like that. Those are two good choices. I like yeah. the R35s. Um, I think, I think. 
that if you could get a north of 2015 GTR R35 and you could at least have, you know, the money to do a tranny because let's be honest, you should do a transmission. But they say that 2015 and up, they fixed it, right? They've they've done a lot of good work there, so you should be in a better shape. But like let's say we're going to throw some money at it. Let's let's throw 15 grand. Let's do let's do let's do the transmission, right? Um I think that that car may be one of the ultimate daily drivers. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the one car that could do anything. It could it could be exotic. It could you could drive it every day, and it's it's comfortable enough to where it's you know it's an awesome car. Yeah, not a car I think I'd want to drive on a track. I don't think it's known for that being awesome, but like, but it is a. I'm not talking about like drag. I'm talking about like you know for that whole like if you're gonna really do road racing, like ah maybe that's not it because it's you know it's a little heavier or whatever, but. Man. I think it's just too expensive for what it, for for that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it handles and performs that well on the road racing track. I know, like, I, I it was like that news thing when the Type R came out that would beat it around the Nurburgring and beat the GTR around the Nurburgring and stuff like that. So, you know, it just goes to show that it's probably just not the car for that. But yeah, good car though. Yeah, definitely. Do you see yourself at some point with with uh, venturing out into the GTR platforms? Most definitely. It's just- if the money's there, then yes. We're gonna see, we're gonna see the video title from Miguel's channel of just why I sold my X, Y, and Z, and uh, <laughs> and then a week later he's gonna be like my new but my new project, and it's gonna be an R thirty five. There's gonna be a new channel. The video after that is I put Coney Girls on my GTA. Oh there we yeah, go. that's what we're talking about, man. Oh uh, yeah, but I think like I think there's gonna be a new channel popping up. It's gonna be like Miguel GTR, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. I'll always be making the to my roots. Actually, like te- te- technically, Nissan and Mitsubishi are in alliance right now. They're yeah. they're the same company as it right now. I, I think I think the GTRs have Mitsubishi I mean, blocked, right? Well, but yeah. but but Nissan Nissan. I don't. I'm not. They're both. They're both there Reno. was something that about that, but yeah, like yeah. also Nissan does a lot of stuff for Mercedes. Okay. Well, I'm right now. I know that it's a, the Renault Nissan Mitsubishi thing right now. So I technically you can still kind of blend it in there. <laughs> Mitsubishi's short for this world. We've been saying that for twenty years, though. Yeah, sadly, sadly, right. <laughs> tell uh, what, tell tell everybody that maybe let's say for the three listeners here that don't know who you are and haven't tell tell them what you kind of have planned in the in the upcoming months to a year on your channel. Anything they should look for? Uh, mainly just the Evo build. Uh, just like I said, forward facing, bigger turbo, um, more of that. Fixing the VR4 as well as, as I'm having fuel system issues, and just kind of really, you know, get the cars together properly before I can jump into another build. Fortunately, right. cars are very expensive, and it's just like the whole content creation space is a whole other topic. But yeah. it's 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 just one of those things that's just very, you know, we could go on about this all day. I but know. yeah, definitely just kind of focus on the Mitsubishi's and just kind of keep growing the channel and. You know, it's not easy, but it's definitely fun. And I love doing it. So, well, listen, I'm excited to talk to anybody that's for DSMs. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, uh, listen, you get stuck in any problems that have to do with the DSM world, throw us a message. I might know the answer. I, I know a lot of useless <laughs> crap. So, you know, <laughs> let, let us know. Awesome. Uh, thanks for the time. You have anything else that you want to do, Rich? No, not really. If you guys are, at, you know, watching whatever, and you yeah. guys are looking for some, uh, you know, DSM type of content, there's really nowhere else to go. Check out Miguel's channel. It's where it's at. So, you know, besides that, I'm all wrapped up. Nice. Listen, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us, and uh, it's been good. Make sure everybody check out uh, the DSM channel. 
Miguel DM Sim channel. Yeah. Make sure you uh, throw him all the support for fixing that VR4 because that car needs to be on the street. And uh, yeah. and we're excited to see you get that Evo up and running as well. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me as well. Dude, thanks so much for coming on. It means a lot to us. It's it's nice to yeah. be able just to talk to car people. You know what I mean? Definitely. So, awesome. That's it. Yeah. Well, everyone, <clears throat> it's been another beautiful episode that we've been hanging with you. We appreciate you hanging with us. Uh, don't forget, we do this thing every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. And you can catch this wherever you catch your Streaming podcasts. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Take care. We'll catch you next week.